The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Daikon. Use less energy to heat your home this winter. D-A-I-K-I-N dot I-E. Your energy, your choice. On News Talk. Welcome to the latest episode of the Home Show podcast with me, Sinead Ryan. Coming up this week, I'll be chatting to TV personality Brian Dowling on his new Virgin Media television programme, The Salvage Squad. And sure, I might throw in a question about his new baby, Blake. Architect Nal McLaughlin on designing the international rugby experience in Limerick. I'll meet a woman who went from the corporate world to candle making and who claims the self-care culture is just another pressure on women. And Arlene McIntyre, stylist to the stars on dressing rooms and walk-in wardrobes and Taylor Swift. If you'd like to get involved in our podcast, you can email us, of course, during the week at thehomeshow at newstalk.com or you can chat to me and find me over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. And we love listening uh, and hearing from listeners uh, who want to get in touch. Of course, you can listen back uh, to any of our podcasts, which are up on the News Talk app and the News Talk website if you like and subscribe to them and you can listen to us on the wireless on a Saturday morning at eight o'clock. Now, last week, here I was in this very studio cheering on Ireland like everybody else in the country as they hopefully secured a place in the rugby semi-finals. Well, it wasn't to be. And I'm afraid I've very few nails left as a result of uh, last Saturday's uh, showdown against uh, the All Blacks. And um, look, it is one of those things that is hard to take this year because a lot of people felt this was the team, this was the year, this was the moment. Uh, So they come back unfortunately from France disappointed but still heroes now we are not quite ready to get off the rugby theme yet it's still buzzing in our heads so I'm delighted later on to be chatting to the designer and architect of that fantastic uh, monument to rugby down in Limerick uh, which is the rugby experience so do tune into that uh, and look forward to it and uh, maybe you'll be watching the final next week I don't know I don't think I will but anyway let me know (laughs) if you will be now if you have the stomach for it uh, here on News Talk 53106. You're very welcome along. Now you'll know my first guest from his 98FM morning show which he co-presents with Suzanne Kane, or perhaps you remember him if you're of a certain age from the second Big Brother series all the way back in 2001. What you can't have missed is his big personality and Social media saturation, nearly a quarter of a million followers on Instagram. And now he's at new TV show. Brian Dowling, you are very welcome to the Home Show studio. Thank you for having me. My first time on the Home Studio and on this show. You are such a busy person. Yes. We are lucky yes. to get you. When you said saturation, I was going <laughs> to oversaturation. <laughs> I'm, I'm no ha- such thing. <laughs> Do you know what? I've been very, very lucky. Arthur and I moved back here in 2020 I'd come off Dancing with the Stars as a contestant and during the pandemic we we moved home and we were living in Rathangan in my room that I had growing up and we were like okay we're going to stay in Ireland this is our new home in the middle of a global pandemic Mm. we then decided we're going to have a family we're going to put down roots we're going to live here I left Ireland in 1998 Arthur and I never lived together in Ireland we're going to have a baby we're going to work we're going to see what happens and thankfully still crossing my fingers, 
it's turned out brilliantly for us. We've been Every very single thing has turned out for you so yes. well and you're just uh, so busy at the moment. So uh, you have this new, let's get this show out of the way first. You have a new TV show starting which kicks off tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, Virgin Media 1, The Salvage Squad. I recorded this all over the summer. I feel like I didn't really have a summer but in the best way possible. We shot June, July August and I think I'm still voicing some of the episodes because it runs for yeah. six weeks. When I was approached about the show, I was very much like, sustainability, what do I really know about sustainability? And then I kind of thought to myself, actually, when it comes to my clothes and fashion and bags and stuff that I have, I have actually been more sustainable mm. than I actually think. But I love the idea of going into people's homes, meeting people, the carpenters, the upcyclers, the designers. The whole premise was like, yes, and very of the now. There's lots of makeover shows, home interior shows that we can watch, but nothing that you can't buy anything new. That's the premise for premise. the show. Pre-loved. So you're, you're doing up a room in somebody's house. Yes, with um, a budget of €1,000. Wow, and, that's not much. And three days to do it. But you say it's not much. We had One of the episodes, we got this gorgeous sofa and the sofa was worth €8,000 to buy it. What? And the designer actually got it for free from some sort of stately home. So a thousand is not a lot. But when you're bringing stuff in that is pre-loved, that is secondhand, that has a bit of a story, you, you get it much, much cheaper and they look incredible. And I thought secondhand stuff to me would be tatty old stuff. Yeah. We've had secondhand stuff that is still in the, the wrap, still got the tags on mm, it. Incredible mm. finds by the designers. And of course, you know Natasha, who's fabulous and she's on the show as well. Natasha Rockadvine is on the show with you. And of course, she'd be well known to home show listeners because she's one of our uh, designers and she's only fabulous. She's very glamorous. So, uh, yeah. I felt when Natasha was around, I had to step it up <laughs> in the glamour stakes just a little bit. You certainly do, just to be on camera. And who else is, is on the show as well? So many designers. Gwen is there with so many. Uh, Peter was fabulous. Like so many amazing people. And what was really good about the show was the, I want to say not contestants, but the families. Because when you're in your home, you do feel like, you know, it's your sacred area. If you're in someone's bedroom, it's quite private. They opened up their homes to us. You know, and some, you know, families are going through some stuff, which is really amazing. And their children and their partners. And honestly, I've worked on a lot of stuff over the years. I was on Big Brother, so 22 years ago and some stuff you do just to do it you do it for the money this was one of those shows that I honestly had so much fun because there was trust and respect in all in everything we did and when you've trust and respect with people it just works brilliantly I'm so proud of the show I've watched only the first four episodes and I didn't cringe at all (laughs) I didn't cringe watching them which is really good Now there must have been moments of challenge or you know maybe where the homeowner didn't quite agree with what you were thinking or where you know so can you share any of those with us or are they all edited out are we getting the Christine version Our our director Pete (laughs) loves the word Jeopardy and he liked the word heart and the show definitely has heart there's some Jeopardy the designers had all the pressure with that like my job is kind of easy I kind of swat in and go "Mm, not sure that's going to work don't really like that (laughs) colour there is one episode with Peter our designer and he likes the colour black Oh, and oh, controversial. Controversial ceiling and walls. Wow. And they have a little girl, Evie, the couple who's one, maybe a bit older than my daughter, Blake. And I was like, okay, this might be a tough sell. <laughs> and there is that initial bit when the, you know, the pe- families are like, really? But I like 
those moments. Mm. I thrive when there's a bit of drama and I like to tap into it. And of course, you have to be respectful that these people are welcoming us, a television crew, into their homes. It is invasive. And I know this firsthand because about 25 years ago, I had a room makeover from a programme that was on at the time called Beyond the Hall Door. And it was a a dining room or maybe 20 years ago because my kids were it had been a playroom slash dump room for toys yeah, we all need one <laughs> and I was I wanted it reconverted back into a kind of an adult dining room and they painted it completely in fuchsia pink oh Right. So it was a hard sell. Did um, you have any input? None. Into the, see, our, none. Our families do. Mm. The designer almost pitches the design mm. and then we chat about it and then we go to the van where we have all this stuff they've sourced. Well, as it turned out, I absolutely loved it. It was a shock to the system now, let me tell you, because I just walked in and saw this kind of pink panoply landing on me. But I loved it. But funnily enough, when we, I wouldn't have picked it. No. So I'm glad they did it without me. And then when we were selling the house a couple of years later, the buyer of the property said, we'll we'll take everything as is, but that room has to go. (laughs) They were like, get rid of the room. You were like, no problem. And what's really good, I think what you've just touched on there, which is very important, the families would never have had the time, the focus, the creativity Mm. to do these makeovers Mm. and have them the way they are. And you've said it yourself, it's quite nice when you're almost forced into it. Yeah, and you're you're landed with what's there. Now, you were saying earlier, Brian, that you are sustainable in terms of fashion and clothing. Yes, And I think probably, do you think it is the case that words like pre-loved and vintage help us along that journey rather than second hand? I love pre-loved. For charity. Yes, I love vintage. Actually, I worked with a fabulous stylist called um, Orla King on the show and a lot of my outfits are (laughs) pre-loved and vintage because I thought as the host of the show, it would be nice with two looks, um, so about 24, 20, 28 looks for the whole series of the show. And it is so nice to be able to tap into that. Yeah. But also showcase those people online and those physical shops that people can go into to get pre-loved <laughs> loved and vintage pieces. Fast fashion is a thing. I'm guilty of it myself yep. over the years. Mm-hmm. We all are. But these, I was wearing like, I think vintage Burberry, loads of Max, it was East Saint pieces, some gorgeous pieces from vintage shops that I would never have known about. Now my husband's into vintage stuff and that's his look. I like something a bit more classic and clean mm-hmm. and new looking. But the show really opened up my mind to, especially even when it comes to the house, something falls off the couch, get a new one. Arthur's like, no, let's just put a bit of time, bit of dedication, even DIY, dreadful. On the show, they gave me a, they gave me a drill a few times. <laughs> There's a hot glue gun. I think I had a hammer. Was there was that, lots going on. Was that, you're still here. I'm still are are here. they still there? <laughs> You'll have to watch the show. How many casualties did we have? Thankfully, none. So are you putting up shelves now? Are you repurposing chests of drawers at home? No, <laughs> no, we need an upcycle for that. No, my husband, Arthur, he's quite good. He has a toolkit at home. I think it's in like a takeaway box, a plastic like Chinese takeaway box. And he's like three things in it. Okay. But it works. Listen, it does all as the long things. as one of ye are, are good 100%. at this, then and the other can, can be supervisor. And like that sounds me, like I your role. that part oh, well, right. yes. Fantastic. Now, um, I cannot um, let the interview go without asking you about the real star of your family. And it's not Arthur. No. And it's not you. No. It's our it is baby Blake, Blake. Maria Rose. Well, Talk to me about yes. her. She has, I am glued to the, oh, to the Insta posts. Thank you. She has started walking. So, yes. change well, of scene there. Change of scene. She's also started 
wanted to open up cupboards and presses and drawers and anything like bleach is the one thing she goes for. The bottle of, of water course, she doesn't want. Not the want. toys. No, no, it's the bleach. Yeah. And even with toys, it's the boxes the toys come in. She is the light of our lives. We were so blessed that my sister Aoife, of course, for those that don't know, was our surrogate. She turned one. She's starting to be more independent. You know, she's growing chatty. so much. Very, very chatty. She says, damn it. She says, who's that? What's that? She says, daddy, dada. She says, hi. Her favourite word is, wow. <laughs> and we're at that point now when she's out and about and she's saying, she waves like she's part of the royal family. It's this. Right, she okay. gets that from me, obviously. <laughs> and then she says to strangers, hi. And it surprises me. I've only been a parent a year. It surprises me the amount of people that walk by and don't say hello. Because ah, if no. a child said hello yeah, to me, I would automatically yeah. engage. And I'm like, really? Okay, <laughs> I see you. And some people do engage. And they go, hello. And they go, gorgeous baby, her name, her age and all of that. She's just, I mean, she's been such a good baby. She, she makes us want to have more because she's been so good. But all of my sisters and friends have said, don't tempt fate because when you get a good baby, chances are yeah. your second one, if you're lucky enough, may not be as good. She's great. She's very independent. She's sassy, which I like. She's got a great eye roll. She's got a, great a super s- wardrobe. Yes, she does. That's all Arthur. <laughs> That's not me. Arthur's so cre- creative as his job with her and she actually doesn't like dresses as much as we thought she would. She's not a very girly girl. Mm. She's a bit of a tomboy, which I like. Mm. I like that she's robust and she's sassy. She loves watching sports on television and my sisters and my dad are delighted because he loves GAA. He yeah. loves the hurling, the Gaelic football. So oh, you'll think, have to get her the little t-shirts now, well, the yeah, little I, sport, the, the jerseys. Jersey. I think she's going to be sporty. Yeah. yeah she's got gorgeous hair. Okay. She Everyone does. says she's got hair. gorgeous hair. Well, of course, you know, you have great hair. Yes, Arthur, Arthur has, has great, great hair. hair. How could she not? However it, it crumbles, <laughs> she's going to have good hair. <laughs> Fantastic. And um, listen to me, do you think you might go down that road? Will Blake have a little brother or sister or? I always say never say never. Yeah. I think we've been very lucky with Blake you know for Arthur and I it's trickier than the norm so it takes a lot a lot of planning, planning. as it stands here with the legislation and the lack of regulations with mm. surrogacy it's also very very difficult That is changing though isn't well, it we Brian? Hope, we hope this year that both our names would be on Blake's birth cert it's it's her one and only it's her first legal document my yeah. sister Aoife is down as Blake's legal mother not her biological because we used an egg donor Aoife does not want her name as Blake Mm. legal anything mm. on her documents. Mm. So we hope there will be a day this year and for all the families affected with surrogacy that both our names will be on our daughter's birthday. Indeed, birth indeed. and it is the least that that you can hope Absolutely. for. And hopefully that that'll be done. All right. What's up next for you? Dare I ask you have a book? Uh, we've a we've a book. We've a book coming <laughs> because out. Because you haven't had enough to no, do with the your book time. Is actually obviously. coming out uh next week, the twenty sixth, with the launch of that on the twenty fifth. We've Salvage Squad. I've got my mid morning show on ninety eight with Suzanne Kane. And I do have something else happening towards the end of the year that I'm very, you know, ex- coy about. Coy, also like <laughs> excited about. Okay. That is something which will be amazing, all going well. And we've got Arthur back on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. You know, that returns mm. next year. So yeah, we're very, very lucky. Very, very blessed. We're healthy. Our friends are good. Our daughter's thriving. Yeah. So yeah, it's all good. Good space. You're doing well. Yeah, thank You're you. You're doing well. Thank and it's you. fantastic to see you looking so well, well and being so that's buoyant. the power of makeup yeah. and good lighting in here. <laughs> I know. Thank you for that. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, Salvage Squad uh, is on weekly at eight o'clock starting tomorrow and every Sunday uh, for the next few weeks on Virgin Media One. And uh, presenter, uh, Brian Dowling, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. 
we are in the middle of the Rugby World Cup and we're still gutted after last Saturday's defeat to the All Blacks but we're staying with the rugby team with my next guest. He's a renowned architect based in London and he and his company Niall McLaughlin Architects are the people behind the fabulous International Rugby Experience Seven Story Museum located in Limerick. Uh, Niall, you are very welcome to the Home Show this morning. Thank you very much. Now, according to the brief, this building is, I I quote, designed to reflect the forces found in rugby. Now, that to me, um, as a Munster supporter particularly, smacks of resilience, brawn, teamwork, passion. What does it mean for you? When we were interviewed to talk about the building at the very beginning before we were appointed, I was saying that one of the things I really like about rugby is a sense of community that is around it, that uh, the way that groups of fans... um, Um, uh, relate to each other. It's a very friendly sport and there's a great sense of communities in different cities who connect together through matches that they play. Um, I have family who are Munster fans and they've made connections with people in um, countries all around Europe through their enjoyment of rugby. So that sense of the values of rugby being expressed through community was something that was interesting. But for me also as an architect, I was saying that rugby is a sport more than anything else that's about bringing force to bear in certain situations that, you know, pods, rucks, balls, lineouts are all about somebody or a group of people um, working together to bring maximum force to bear for an instant before they move on to the next thing. Mm. And I like the fact that there's a kind of a structural sense about it. You know, scrums and malls and pods and lineouts are all these quite kind of complex and tricky arrangements for you to apply force in a moment. And that seemed to me to have a building that showed off its structure um, in a really obvious way was a nice thing to do. So when you go into the building, it's full of you know vaults and you can see very clearly how the great weight of the building was brought down to the ground. It's quite raw in that sense and that seemed to me to be something that would be suitable for the sport of rugby. Mm, particularly in the line-outs when the, when the hooker's thrown it in and they're bringing this vast, you know, uh, heavy fella right up and, and back down again. Um, now, it, you've built it or it has been built in the Georgian Quarter in Limerick, um, which is packed with traditional, mostly red brick properties. Uh, now, how did you strive to strike a balance between modern and fresh and new, fitting alongside buildings which are centuries old in some cases? Yeah, I'm hoping in 100 years' time that ours will be a traditional red brick <laughs> building as well. Um, I think that one of the things that I was aware of is that cities have to preserve their heritage, but they also have to allow themselves to change in positive ways. And um, you have a kind of an equal and opposite instinct there. One of them is to hold on to what you've got. And the other, which is to allow constructive and positive change to occur. Now, when I looked at the Georgian quarter of Limerick, what I saw was um, an 18th century quarter, primarily residential quarter, um, where um, uh, there was a lot of aesthetic control over parapet heights and railings and front doors and everything else. And it belonged for a particular social group in the city. It was a rather exclusive enclave at the time. And what you see is that as the city develops through the 19th century and becomes more democratized, where the ordinary people are taking over the city, the buildings and institutions that are to do with the public life of those citizens change the sort of very exacting order that you had originally. So the churches, the banks, the commercial buildings, the civic buildings all start breaking the parapet line. They have got different architectural styles. And they show how the city has developed over time. So if you look at the Augustinian Church in O'Connell Street, it's um, nothing like the, the residential building. And it shows the way that that area of the city is becoming more complex in its uses and so on. 
So I didn't particularly see a problem about making a building that was in, it's a brick building. It respects the fact that it's a, it's a, it's an area built substantially from brick. But at the same time, it's a building that allows itself to express itself as a, as a civic building that's making new public spaces for the people in the city, which would be very different from the rather uh, contained and closed residential architecture which characterises that area. Indeed, and one of the things you chose to do then in creating and, and maybe echoing that red brick was using different types of clay and handmade bricks to to allow that to blend in. H- how difficult was it to source uh, some of the materials that you used for the building? And we, we worked with fantastic people. We had very, very good builders um, uh, who worked on the project and their bricklayers were extremely helpful working with us. Um, and um, it was a fantastic collaborative enterprise with them. We also worked with Techcrete, who are an Irish company who, we, who we've worked with both in Limerick but also in the UK, so we knew them well. So we had a lot of really good expertise to help us. And sourcing the bricks was great fun. We went down to the brick factory and actually saw them being made by hand. These guys just standing there making brick after brick by hand. It's very nice to see them. They have their headphones on, they're listening to music, they're almost (laughs) like they're dancing and they're making the brick. So it was a really nice experience to see that. Um, but it was an enjoyable part of the project to work through with the buildings and all the various subcontractors, with the builders and the various subcontractors, how to do that. Indeed, modern artisanship uh, at work there. Now, I was looking at some of your other uh, work, Niall, and I was struck by the modelling College Library in Cambridge. And this is the one you won the 2022 Sterling Prize for. I saw echoes of this project with it, especially in the colour and these uh, vertical uh, uh, elements, these, these kind of nearly towers that you've put up. Did you have that in mind for, for both structures? I mean, they're both two slightly different settings. The Maudlin um, College setting is probably a little bit earlier. It's more, I'd call it almost more Jacobean rather than Georgian. Um, and so it was a slightly more kind of... Um, uh, it, it, the, the buildings are slightly older, but we were in both projects. We were putting a, a modern new building into an established historic setting with a very strong character. Mm. And we were looking to make connections with the existing building tradition, but also to do something which is modern and new. Mm. So the thing you're probably seeing there is the connection is that consistent use of red brick across the yeah, two of them. Yeah. But, but bear in mind, both settings were already strongly dominated by red brick. Sure. So we were sort of feeding into an existing, um, an existing building culture, and then trying to do something which is respectful of the existing surroundings, mm. but also uh, very much of its time. Now, the Rugby Experience Building was funded entirely by that well-known Limerick man, uh, J.P. McManus's charitable foundation. Did you find that that gave you a freer hand in design than maybe if it had been a council-tendered project? Well, I mean, it's difficult to make a direct comparison. What I can say is that there was great support for the architecture from that client group. Uh, the client group had been very well put together with people from the rugby world and Paul O'Connell uh, chaired, chaired the client committee and was a very useful point of contact. Mm. But as an architect, when you come into a project, the first thing you're trying to get a feel for is, is this client group well set up to build a really good building? And I knew from the first day that we were in good hands with that client group. It was well mm. structured. They were able to make good decisions. And I presume they had a little bit of freedom that they were able to work with their own agency but when we were brought to the project to discuss it, to, to, to meetings, they were very critical in a positive way, but very supportive. And you had the sense that they really wanted to make a good piece of architecture. And it was important for them that they were making a civic building mm. that would stand in the city of Limerick and be part of public life for a long time. 
So we felt very confident about that when we were building it. All right. And that is exactly and precisely what has been achieved. It's an absolutely fabulous building and I encourage anybody, uh, if you're heading to Limerick and even if you're not, to make a special trip and look at the rugby experience. Niall uh, McLaughlin, Professor of Architectural Practice at the Bartlett School in University College London and designer of the rugby experience. Thank you for joining us on The Home Show. Thank you very much indeed. I'm glad you like it. Now, my next guest is a former yoga teacher who worked in journalism and the corporate sector for 20 years before starting a business designing candles. Paul McGovern set up Wizard and Grace Essential Oil Candle Company in Kinsale in 2022. And she joins me now. Paula, uh, you're very welcome back to the home show. We have spoken before. Thanks, Sinead. It's great to talk again and thanks for having me on. Now, um, the company is still just a year old, so but you've achieved an awful lot in that time. What's new uh, in the candle-making world? Well, I suppose when I set out and launched Wizard and Grace, it was because I couldn't find what I was looking for, which was a sustainable, 100% natural essential oil candle. Um, but I also wanted to create something that would be a design piece and a well-being piece in the home. Uh, with my yoga background, so I use Irish language, landscape, life, they're all entwined in the design of my candles. I use Irish words, and um, so I launched with Bandia, Goddess, uh, Driot, Magic, uh, Mishnah, Courage, and then I had one, a Kinsale Dreams candle. So while my candles were popular because of their essential oil element, what I found from customers is that the well-being element was just as important the whole intentionality often. So I suppose this year I've been working on an autumn winter range where having nice lavender based or meditative based scents. So I've launched uh, recently an autumn winter range which includes Buicus, Gratitude, Sweetness, Peace, Nullig, Christmas and then Iha which is a lovely lavender chamomile and clary sage mm. night fragrance. Now, uh, I'm interested in the whole, you were just saying because your yoga background and, and you're moving into that, that kind of whole wellness thing. But I read that, you know, you've said in the past that actually that whole idea of, of having to find time for self-care mm. and looking after yourself and that wellness, that that in itself can be a pressure, uh, you know, in, in trying to kind of create this this life for ourselves, this perfect life. Or and, and Is that the case, that, that kind of even trying to kind of say to yourself, right, I need to find an hour a day or a, an hour a week to, to allow for self-care, that that can create a pressure, especially with, with women with their busy lives? Absolutely. I think from my talking to customers, there's definitely a want to have, you know, more, you know, some health and well-being and everything. But this notion of self-care as a concept has almost become another pressure point where it's like a, a, a glamour metric that you have to fit into your day. And the other thing what I'm finding is if you don't, women are telling me if they don't get to it, if they don't get to do a bit of yoga, meditation, even go out for a walk and if they don't have the time, they feel really guilty. So even though they might be busy from the minute that they wake up and getting families out the door and um, going to work and then they're busy until the end of day until they're ready to go to bed, they still feel guilty that they didn't get to this self-care business. So I suppose my and Wizard and Grace philosophy is very much just like it's wellness for real life. It's not about having to do something or it's about being kind of mindful in the moment mm. and just sort of supporting people with that in very simple common sense 
back to basics. It seems to me that we spend an awful lot of time beating ourselves up over things we don't do as much as the things we do do. And, you know, that idea that not providing time for ourselves should then ironically become a pressure point, it's kind of a bit mad, isn't it? It is. It's actually, I would feel very sad about it. And like, to be honest, I'm in the same boat myself. Like, so I know this is real, but I suppose, yeah, when you see it logically, just 24 hours in a day, you can only do so much. And women and working mothers in particular are really doing so much. And yet, not rather than appreciating that, mm-hmm. they're almost being guilty. And it's, um, one thing I, I brought out, uh, Celtic Goddess Wild um, Free range, um, and original artwork representing Queen Maeve, uh, Clean of the Sea, Rhianna and Bridget. And I think this whole, there's a bit of a resurgence to look at Celtic goddesses. Mm. And I think these are all stories and myths that we can almost use, you know, they're almost inspirational qualities that we can kind of yeah. link in with. And the whole idea then of using essential oils, do you think that that kind of, if we didn't get out for the walk and we didn't manage an hour of yoga, that lighting a candle and just even five minutes with that scent enveloping you, can that in itself produce kind of a stress reliever? Yeah, well, I suppose, yes, uh, I I think using a 100% natural essential oil candle, it's completely plant-based. It's like a connection to nature in its own way. I do use the Irish language and also Celtic knots that can be used as little focal points on Mm. the candle and you can see them as they burn down. Um, But yeah, something like that, that's just very easy, very efficient to your life. Um, You're not... It's not an add-on that you're another stressor, yeah, yeah. Um, and something just very simple, but 100% natural as well. So I think that's really important. And I suppose we start it with the purity of the ingredients be the most important thing, because there's a lot of candles out in the market, but the majority are synthetic chemical fragrance. I think using natural in every element of your life does support that. Yeah. Um, that, that, that you're Indeed. All right. Well, listen, we'll take what we can get and don't beat yourself up and don't be under pressure Thanks. to do things uh, that other people uh, tell you to do. Right. Paula McGovern, uh, founder of Wizard and Grace, and you can find that on Instagram at Wizard and Grace. Thank you so much uh, for joining us on The Home Show today. And you're very welcome back to the final part of the Home Show uh, podcast with me, Sinead Ryan. Now, I was reading something on the way in today uh, to record. Of course, the whole everywhere is full of Taylor Swift at the moment. You can't miss her. Uh, But I was reading uh, about her boyfriend, new boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, some class of a football player. And uh, he apparently was telling uh, Vanity Fair in an interview that he has a walk-in wardrobe and closet for his 300 pairs of of sneakers. Now, I am fairly positive my next guest also has clients that may well have 300 pairs of shoes. Arlene McIntyre from Venture Design, you're very welcome to the home show. Tell me, you have clients, because this is what we're talking about, walk-in wardrobes, um, closets, you know, the whole shebang, Mm -hmm. the the whole sex in the city thing. Yes. Um, You must have clients who just have a wardrobe for their shoes. I know you do. We do, of course. Um, And we have not absolutely every single client, but we have had those clients for sure. And a lot of them are kind of very much inspired by the Kardashians because they spend a lot of their lives within their wardrobe spaces or they used to in the past. So we'll get a lot of Pinterest kind of copies and photographs saying, I really want this. I love that. I need this in my life. And a lot of their wardrobes look like small luxury boutiques. 
So it's very much building around their lifestyle, the seasons, you know, putting everything into, you know, spring, summer, autumn, winter. Um, Where did I go wrong? I'm not living. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not living. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, but 300 pairs of sneakers is pretty cool. I I mean, that's impressive. Even even for me, I've never come across that. That's (laughs) that's absolutely incredible. Yes, well, maybe she'll uh, have to squeeze some of them aside to find space for her, I don't know, <laughs> boots and Louboutins and all that. Um, now, so we are here, Arlene, to talk about the whole idea of, yeah. which I know for a lot of people feels like a huge luxury, but I know people who are in perfectly ordinary houses, mm-hmm. you know, yes. who happen to have a spare box room, yes. which they don't need anymore, mm-hmm. are not using it for home office or, you know, a nursery. Those days are long gone. Yes. And they are deciding, do you know what, I'm going to free up my bedroom space and put my wardrobes and my stuff Absolutely. in there. And that constitutes a kind of a walk-in closet. It does. It? But I think a lot of people, just as you rightly said, Sinead, probably don't realise that they need a walk-in wardrobe, you know, just for themselves. They probably find that they've got coats downstairs, on, you know, somewhere being stored downstairs under the stairwell, or they have something in a spare room, or they have everything kind of tucked away in their kids' bedrooms, maybe they're using mm. overflow in there, when in fact what they really need to do is exactly that, address the point, maybe I need my own nominated wardrobe space. So it's not always just a luxury thing to have. It, it's a necessity and it, it helps free up the rest of the family to have what they need for around the house. Yeah, because I, I have a, like, depending on the time of year, although we didn't get much of a summer this year, but depending on the time of the year, I've all my, as I term them, summer clothes, all these light shorts and T-shirts and all that in one of those vacuum bags yeah. in, in under a bed. Yeah, it's now, clever. Well, it's fine. I have yeah. to do that. But, uh, you know, how nice to be able to have them all the time in a part of the wardrobe I don't open up until it's Easter or whatever. Is yeah. that is Yeah, that yeah, yeah. But we about? love working on rockin' wardrobes. Like, it is actually the dream. It's very personal to the client. Um, I've never worked with one client who has exactly what the other one has. Maybe some things, you know, are, you know, carried over, like lovely islands in the centre of the wardrobe space where they can have scent and candles and a cup of coffee or a glass of champagne or, you know, all of their goodies. I I haven't, I haven't done, I haven't done that in my kitchen island. (laughs) (laughs) A dressing room island. That's a big ask. So if you can get that, that's the dream with an amazing feature light over that. So... Uh, a lot of the clients I've worked with want that reception and that feeling of absolute, absolute opulence when they enter their walk-in wardrobe. They want everything very easy to access. A lot of these ladies lead very busy lifestyles. So they need to be able to really understand where everything is. They often have stylists that would uh, say, OK, this is your winter wardrobe. This is your summer wardrobe. I have one lady that actually has her a new clothes wardrobe for just the new clothes with the price tag still on them. Handbags are really important. How they are all um, that's shelved. like art, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's really important. So that's all about the LED lighting behind glass. They're very much collector pieces, um, sunglasses, reading glasses, your jewelry collection, your watch collection. So I could go on and on and on. We're currently working on one job in Dublin, and this lady's wardrobe is going to be very beautifully organized with gorgeous kind of faux leather. Uh, felted backed cases on top of her island with glass covers so dust doesn't get inside of them and everything is very visible. She's fast, she's on the go, she's always travelling, she just grab, goes and gone. So that's like a jewellery case, like, like you find in a jewellery shop then, mm-hmm. those glass cases? Yeah, wow. exactly. 
She's enough to put in it, obviously, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, uh, right. Okay, let's come back down a tiny bit to earth. So what are the what are the non-negotiables then when it comes to whether it's, you know, in a modest house or a fabulous house? Um, what are the things that, that are red line issues? I, I presume lighting is one of them. Oh, get the bones right. So get your storage right. Some people actually think that it might be their option not to have doors. I think doors are really important because they also double up as mirrors. So really important. Try and retain doors in your walk-in wardrobe, number one. Number two, it gives you that feeling of calm when you walk into the wardrobe space. A lot of clients do like to feel very organized. So I would highly recommend doors to keep out the dust and to create calm. And then it doubles up for extra mirror space. Everybody wants a three-way mirror in their walk-in wardrobe if you can have it. Okay. Yeah, yep. very right. important. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, really big one is to get your lighting right, sensor lighting inside the wardrobe. So when you open it, you're not using the torch on your mobile phone to try and find what you're looking for. The lights come on when you open up your wardrobe. Mm. So that's really important. And actually, they're not, sorry for regular people, they're not impossible to fit no. because you can get the little ones that just attach and yes. stick on. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're probably doing the bespoke. Oh, big time. <laughs> and then getting your shelving right, your scarf where are your scarves all stored, your hats, your gloves, your sunglasses, your reading glasses. I, I could go on and on and on. Like these are really important things that we have to factor into our design. OK, so actually, and that makes a lot of practical sense. Yeah. Having your items, not necessarily by colour or season, but by item. So especially for those accessories, yeah. you know, because when you walk into a, a shop, monsoon or accessorizers, mm-hmm. you know, all the scars are going to be over yeah. here, all the hats are going to be over here. And and designing it that way means that all you have to do is glance down your collection and say, that's the one for today. Totally. It's a much smoother experience mm. for, for, the, uh, for the client. I have one client who actually, in fact, loved her wedding dress so much. She wanted us to have it encased in cabinetry in her walk-in wardrobe. And it was backlit behind glass doors. It was incredible. Just to look at? Yeah, just to look at it. Wow. Seating, Sinead, is very important too. We can't Seating. forget okay, that. Okay, right. So that's a big one. You need somewhere to sit down and put on your boots or your shoes, maybe to take a phone call, mm. uh, you know, all those things. So we're talking then, what about these velvet ottoman yeah. type of footstools, are we? Yeah, or it can like be actually inside the um, island itself. Ah. So, you know, your worktop space island is there, but then you have this kind of overflow to one side whereby it might double up as a seating Seating. space and you open that up and underneath that is more storage underneath the bench seat. So, yeah. And uh, in terms of shoes now, because if you can afford a dressing room of this magnitude, I imagine your shoe collection is very important to you and people like to display what they have. And I've seen some of those um, celebrities who, because they kind of only wear, I don't know, the red heels, that they want them all out, the heels showing rather than the front of the shoe showing. Yeah, or they're turned in two different directions. Oh, I see. Oh, one each. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. cool. Uh, do you have people or is it a better idea to keep them in their boxes to protect them or do people prefer them displayed out so they can it look It depends them? on the client. Like like when this one project in Jersey, um, this lady very much wanted her her kind of dressier shoes, like her evening wear shoes, backlit on shelving where she could enjoy them because they were just so beautiful. It was like entering a museum for a walk-in yeah. wardrobe. But then she did have the other ones with a photograph on the side of the actual box the colour. Oh, OK. The style, so she'd everything. taken a photograph yeah. of it so she knew exactly what was inside yeah. without rooting through the... Oh, yes. right, OK. And then boots, they're kind of awkward to... They're to like fit. jeans. Yeah. Some people stack, some people hang. Uh, we have clients that like to hang their boots, but they boot, the boots come out and it's a whole different plan for the autumn and the, and the winter. Oh, OK. So they'll put everything out. They'll take everything out that was for summer, spring. Obviously, they're not going to use it now. 
And then they'll prioritize the bigger kind of areas in the wardrobe for winter grabs. So their boots will be all on hangers, their jeans will be on hangers, all their heavy coats, and so on. Gilets, every, knits, all that stored, really easy, colour coordinated. Well, uh, yes, naturally. I mean, we all we all uh, strive for that yeah. um, at, at some point. Right, OK. And then, um, so you were talking there about the three-way mirror. Are you talking about when people put on these costumes, they like to look, turn around like you would in a in a dressing, in yeah. a shop? In a walk, and, like and in an see actual boutique, exactly. Oh, OK. Yeah. Excellent. So if you can squeeze one of those in, it's the dream. Yeah. Now, of course, the dressing room would it always be next to the bedroom because that's the most obvious place and and then you'd ha- would you have I presume some people would have his and hers dressing room? Oh yeah, oh, his oh, and hers. Yeah, yeah, totally yeah. different areas of the house in mm. fact. Yeah, in one project, turn left, his, right, hers. Mm. Um, very different colour schemes, very different bathrooms and en-suites as well. Mm. One was very masculine, one was very feminine. So yeah. Right, okay. And near, near the twain shall meet because you don't want to be, you know, hovering around. Where's my tie? Well, it's not here. It's in well, your dressing room, honey. <laughs> it just creates an easier life for everyone involved. Right, okay. All right. Uh, and then in terms of, you know, you spoke about the kind of Kardashians and that looks look and people want to feel kind yeah. of, it's it's very kind of luxurious when they're Organised. Organised and luxurious. Very well designed. So in terms of wardrobes then, are we looking at, you mentioned the gla- the mirror on the front, but are you looking at like um, dark wood, is that still very popular? Oh, yeah. That yeah. feel? Yeah, totally. Well, uh, we've had ladies who like brighter, uh, you know, more classic contemporary vibes on their moulding on the doors and they want everything painted. Lots of mirror- mirrors and lots of kind of glamour and sparkle. We have mm. that type of client. Then you have another look which is slightly more contemporary and you might go in more into the darker woods and the walnuts or the wangays and it, it feels slightly more uh, sophisticated. So that's a different interior look. But the wardrobe generally speaks to the bedroom, speaks to the bathroom. You know, it's part of the overall design. Right. And you can find out all about that design and inspiration for your own walk-in wardrobe, just yours, not his, um, by looking up Ventura Design. Arlene McIntyre, thank you once again. Thank you. Uh, for coming in. You've your so new autumn fun. collection out now. We so do, we do. People yeah. will our, can go and have a look at that. new online collection. Fantastic. All right. And that is all we have time for on this episode of the Home Show podcast. It has been a pleasure having you along. And if you've missed any of the pod or any of our other uh, shows, of course, you can listen back to them on the Newstalk app or on Newstalk.com. Uh, and the app is powered by Go Loud. If you'd like to get in touch with us, it's the Home Show at Newstalk.com by email and me on Instagram, Sinead Ryan 100. Thanks to Eve for being producing this week. Stephen McLoon was on sound and we'll see you all again next time. The Home Show with Sinead Ryan, Saturday morning at 8 with Daikin on News Talk.